When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Sharp Lessons for Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Stadium Bets, giving out all of our best bets for conference championship weekend he's nate jacobson i'm ben wittenstein nate we are almost done with the college football season we just got the conference title games to get through then we got the bowl games but this is really kind of the uh, the tail end of of the college football season coming up yeah last week definitely felt like the end just with the end of the regular season when there's many games at once sometimes seven to eight games per time window now it's a little bit more cut and dry where we had two games on Friday night, so tonight, and then eight games conference title-wise tomorrow. And they're kind of spread out nicely, two early, four in the afternoon, two at night. And then there's also, if you look at the bottom of the college football screen, uh, USC California in a makeup game. So if you really want to get wild, maybe backing the uh, rejuvenated Trojans might be a, a way to go with new coach Lincoln Riley, but... We'll just focus on our favorite conference title game picks where I don't think I'm going to have a best bet, Ben, but I like I can have like an opinion on almost every game other than like the Mountain West and and maybe the uh, Sun Belt. But looking forward to that. And then NFL, it's the time of the year in the NFL when lines are getting a little bit tighter and a little tougher because we know what every team is. So in terms of betting, it won't maybe be as many games. But I think this is a good time of year in the NFL to watch the games and maybe take something Go and learn something about teams going forward as we approach the playoffs and the playoff race, and also always try to make a live bet if there is an opportunity that arises. So let's look at the weather report before we get into our college football picks. The weather outside is weather. There is some weather that's going to be affecting some of these games, uh, Nate, as you research some of this. Yeah, let's start in Cincinnati where there's actually two outdoor games. So most conference title games in college football – are played in domes or, or nice weather where it's not going to be an issue. But one game that's played on this, at the field where the team with the better record in the conference, or sorry, AAC, is Houston-Cincinnati. And we're going to Cincinnati for this one. And the weather isn't terrible. It's cold, though. Weather in the 40s and 50s, that might impact a team from Houston playing in that kind of weather. And then the next day in Cincinnati, chargers Bengals, which is a game we've talked about all week already gave it as a best bet maybe not ideal though weather-wise for the best bet on the chargers as it's supposed to rain and maybe be some ugly weather we'll see what happens it's kind of hard to predict but i'm um, not sure if that's going to really change much in my opinion i still like the chargers but maybe a little bit tough conditions for a team from southern california and then later in the day nfl sunday 
Well, same time, Chicago, potential rain, Seattle, potential rain. But honestly, this time of year, conditions could be much worse in both those cities. And then we won't have a Monday show, so let's talk about that Monday night football game where there looks like a real weather situation in Buffalo between the Patriots and the Bills. Rain, snow, potentially very windy, 20-mile-per-hour winds on Monday night in Buffalo. And because it's right off – I believe it's Lake Erie in Buffalo. There's always a chance we're going to get some random lake effect snow showers. So I think a weather like that actually benefits the Patriots, who are a run-first team that plays really good defense, as opposed to the Bills, who do play outdoors in western New York where the weather conditions could get ugly. But their offense is predicated around Josh Allen and four wide receiver sets. And I know one of the reasons they drafted Josh Allen is because he played college ball in Wyoming, so he was kind of used to not great conditions. But for the matchup, the weather kind of suits the Patriots on Monday night, which is a game we'll talk about at the end of the show. Yeah, so it's kind of disappointing that throughout all these weather reports, we've never had something where we have seen, like, lots of snow or heavy blizzard conditions, but it's good to know some of these uh, weather conditions before you go into the bets. Especially in a city like Denver, where there'll be some, like, really random times of, like, snow, like, a lot in, like, October. And I think last week in Denver, the weather was, like, in the 60s, like, in maybe the 70s. It was, like, the nicest, uh, even probably better than, like, Miami or something, (laughs) or as tame as Miami as it was in Denver last week. So maybe later in the year, later in December, probably won't impact college games much because in the bowl games are usually in nicer climates or if it is in a northern city, it is in a in a dome. Um, I guess there's that one game at like Yankee Stadium, so maybe not that one, but probably for weather report the rest of the year we'll focus on the NFL and maybe how the weather impacts some of the bigger games going forward. So let's take a look at some of these picks. We got College football picks galore. Now, you said you had to pick, uh, or at least a lean for most of these games. Um, so we could just go through some of them. Let's let's start with the Friday games. Uh, we have Western Kentucky, UTSA. We have Oregon and Utah. That's tonight. Both of these games are tonight. Um, you have uh, a lean in that Western Kentucky UTSA game. Yeah, I'm hoping to get a minus three with Western Kentucky. That line's kind of gone up all week. It's up to three and a half. I know the game's in the Alamo Dome. So it's a home game for UTSA, but UTSA coming off their first loss of the season, and it was a, a tough loss. They got blown out by a very motivated North Texas team. I know maybe they bounced back because it was a bad spot for UTSA coming off the big win against UAB, but Western Kentucky, is, uh, as Felder mentioned on Wednesday's show, really fun offense with ba- Bailey Zappi as their quarterback. I know Felder also has a soft spot for the UTSA Roadrunners, and they've actually been pretty good for this podcast, scoring upset wins against (laughs) Illinois and Memphis this year. But I think Western Kentucky's offense is going to be too much for UTSA, so hoping to get a minus three on Western Kentucky, and I'll I'll place that bet uh, before this evening. Utah-Oregon game, I don't know if I can take a side and feel confident about either side. I, I could really see Oregon coming back after their loss against Utah and, and sticking it to Utah in this one, but especially since it's not at Utah anymore, right? It's that That's a really tough place to play. So Oregon basically has the same similar line as that game when Utah was at home. So if I had a lean, I would lean Oregon for the side. But I'm going to take the total. I think this game could probably go under 
total wise for the complete game, but I'm going to take the first half under. It's at 29. Uh, so you can afford four touchdowns in the first half and still hit the under. And we saw 28 points scored in the first half between Utah and Oregon, but it was only 28 points because there was a punt return touchdown before halftime. Yeah. So I, I think these are two teams that could definitely hit that under in the first half again, especially with so much on the line. The Pac-12 championship, it's going to be at a neutral field. These teams have played each other before. They know each other so well. They have coaches that are good enough to make adjustments. I, I can definitely see another first half under coming our way, especially since that 29. Yeah, I'm a little more interested in the side in this game, Ben. I think the under does make sense, especially because there was that kind of fluky touchdown at the end of the first half where Oregon decided not to punt the ball, or they punted the ball in play instead of out of bounds, which literally just don't punt it to the returner and the half ends. Uh, But Utah, yeah, so they were minus three at home just two weeks ago, 13 days ago. They obviously play really well, but it was also, we know, 60-minute sample size, don't want to overreact to it. And now we're on a neutral field, and it's the same spread. And in that game at Utah, all the pressure was on Oregon because at the time they were number three in the college football playoff rankings. Now the pressure's on Utah, who really wants to get to their first Rose Bowl ever. I mean, Oregon goes to Rose Bowls pretty often under Crystal Ball, at least they did uh, two years ago. And then last year they they still, I believe they won the conference. Uh but, yeah, so now all the pressure is on Utah after all the pressure was on Oregon two weeks ago. And because of that, I think Oregon at plus three presents some value, not just in the line, but situationally. Yeah, if you can grab that plus three, it looks like it's at minus 120 at some places. So see if you can grab that plus three before it gets down to uh, plus two and a half. Let's go into Saturday's games. Baylor, Oklahoma State. This is going to be a fun game. Uh, and that spread has gone up uh, a little bit in favor of Oklahoma State. Minus five and a half right now for OKC. That total at 46. Nate, do you have a side in that one that you like? Yeah, in terms of the, the movement, the line did open. Um, Oklahoma State minus six. It went down to minus four. And I think then there was some buyback with some of the news about Baylor's quarterback, Jerry Bohannon. He is battling a hamstring injury. He has started the whole season for Baylor. He's a dual-threat quarterback, so if he's not able to use his legs, it really limits Baylor's offense, especially against an Oklahoma State defense. That's probably one of the better units in the country. So in terms of side, as much as I want to fade Oklahoma State off that storm the field, tear down the goalpost win against Oklahoma in in a rivalry game where Oklahoma's dominated Oklahoma State, I just can't do it with Bohannon being on the fritz and if he doesn't uh, play, then it's going to be a redshirt freshman quarterback who started last week for Baylor, Zach Shapin, who I don't think is ready to face a unit like Oklahoma State. So because of that, I'm looking towards the unders in this game. Full game under 46, 46 and a half. I think that'll be a small play for me, but I really like the first half under in this game at 23. And the reason I like that is because there's a chance if the game maybe loosens up a little in the second half in terms of the score that Oklahoma is going to want to run up the score because right now they're number five in the college football playoff rankings. But if they have a really impressive blowout win against the number nine team in the playoff rankings, maybe that impresses the committee enough to have Oklahoma State jump Cincinnati, especially if Alabama wins the SEC title. So because of that, I'm a little hesitant to go full game under, and that's why first half is my preferred method in this game. I just think it's going to be kind of a slow start where Oklahoma State starts off flat off that big win against Oklahoma last week. 
Yeah, I don't have a side in this game, but the under makes sense. That first half under really does make sense yeah. a lot too. I, I might tail you on that first half I, under. I just that get worried. In, yeah, I just get worried in the situation that if like Mike Gundy can he's able to, he's going to want to run it up, and I don't blame him. Like yeah. he shouldn't like hold hold back. Like do everything possible, but that then ends creates a lot of variance at the end, which makes me. Not want to really go full game under, but I do think both teams are going to struggle to score where there's going to be enough room that this game stays under the full game total, but I'll have more money on first half under. Let's look at some of the bigger games on Saturday as we move on. SEC Championship, Georgia minus 6.5, Bama the underdog plus 6.5, 49.5 is the total. This is uh, probably the most interesting game of the weekend if you just like college football and one of the most interesting, I think betting wise, because you have a betting favorite historically with Alabama, who's a six and a half point underdog. So a little under that seven point touchdown mark, but there's still a, a touchdown underdog almost Nate. And is that intriguing to you when you see that number, when you see Bama and Nick Saban as a pretty significant underdog in this SEC championship game? It definitely is. And I don't think we have to, kind of talk about it again but i'll just say it that nick saban first time they're underdogs since 2015 i think now we could i'm excited for this week to be over so we don't have to keep (laughs) hearing hearing about it but i think it does mean something like he's telling his team that they are an underdog they're telling he's telling his team that they could be the hunter after being the hunted for the last 90 plus games so i think that there's a lot of uh some stock into that as nick saban a, a very good motivator in Alabama, they're the way more motivated team in this game. I know that Georgia would probably love to win this game and try to shut out Alabama from the playoffs so they don't have to worry about them down the line. But Alabama needs to win, and even if they don't win, they could lose a close game, and if some other results fall in their favor, maybe a two-loss SEC runner-up gets in the in the playoff, especially since Bama, even though they lost to A&M, were number two in the playoff rankings in the initial uh, version. So even if Alabama loses, I think that there's still an outside chance to make the playoff if it's a close game. And if it's a close game, they'd probably cover that spread of plus six and a half. I'm hoping for a plus seven. So I think that's kind of what I what I'm going towards in this game. Not my favorite bet, but if I was forced to pick up my favorite side of the week at the current numbers, it would be Alabama plus six and a half, hoping to get to plus seven. Because remember, Felder did mention Kirby Smart, super conservative coach. So to cover a big number against Alabama, a team that's maybe not good by their standards, but they're still one of the best four teams in the country, I'm not sure if Kirby is going to be able to put uh, kind of put his foot on the throat of Alabama and not sure if Georgia's offense is going to be able to cover a big number in a game where I sort of like the full game under at 49 and a half. Yeah, I was just going to say that under looks really intriguing with these two teams. It just seems yeah. a little bit too high with knowing Georgia's defensive ability and knowing Alabama's struggles on offense because they have had struggles on offense. They have not looked like a high-powered offense at times in situations where they need to have a high-powered offense. So that under, it's closing in on 50. I don't know if we're going to get a 50-piece in this game. I don't know if that's going to get up to 50 as a number in in this game for the line, but I would take the under, especially getting that extra hook at 49. So if I have a lean in this game, it's on the total on the under at 49 and a half. I, I just... I, I don't think I can pick a side in this one. I really don't. I, I could yeah. I could really see it going either way. I think if Georgia wins, I think they cover. 
Um, but I, I just can see Alabama winning outright too. You know, if you, if you think they can cover, you might as well just put sprinkle a little bit on that money line. Um, I, I don't know. I don't have a strong lean on the side either way. I have listened to many smart people talk about this game and each have said a different side. So I, I can, I can see it going either way, but the stronger feeling that I have is on the total and it's on the under. It really is. I, I think this is going to be a hard fought SEC game where we see it maybe be like 24, 21, 17 type of game. Yeah, I think that's what makes an exciting game that there's so many differing opinions and now we'll see how it plays out yeah. finally on the field after it's been, been talked about this matchup for weeks, if not months. So I think that's the fun part about it. I think some of the, the down, the negatives of college football is you get to the playoff semifinals and some of the biggest favorites of bowl season are in the semifinals. So you kind of know what's going to yeah. happen. But in this case, you have a number that's pretty big, but you have a team in Alabama that probably, if they were underdogs more, would thrive in that role, knowing who they have as head coach. We don't see it too often. And you have Georgia, the chance to kind of knock off Alabama team that's given them issues for a long time. And hopefully they'll create us for their purposes create a easier path to the playoff for them or in the playoff for them let's go to the big 10 championship game iowa michigan in the great city of indianapolis 43 and a half the total low total and that line uh, staying pat at about 10 and a half michigan that uh, 10 and a half point favorite nate i am going to probably take the hawkeyes at plus 10 and a half um, I mentioned it in the article for WatchStadium.com that came out today for our college football picks for the conference title games. I just think it's a little too high of a number, especially when you look at the total. It's a, a relatively low total of 43.5. Iowa is not Ohio State in a good way, which is a weird thing to say, but Iowa loves to play physically. They They play physically. They play teams who are physical pretty well. They have a much better physical line than Ohio State does, and I don't think Michigan's O-line is going to see the success against that Iowa defense that they had against Ohio State that allowed them to run all over all uh, Ohio State. So I, I don't know if Iowa wins this game. I don't think they have the offensive ability to win this game. I think Michigan still wins, but I, Iowa can cover, especially since you get that extra half at 10. They can still lose by double digits. They can lose by 10 and still cover. So I, I think Iowa is the right move here at plus 10 and a half. Michigan is coming off a great win against Ohio State. They're still riding high. I don't know how big of a hangover game this really is, but I think you have to put that into account just a little bit that, you know, they prepare all season for Ohio State, and they showed all their best plays against Ohio State. So Iowa's going to have the best game film against Michigan. They're going to know what's coming. I, I think Iowa's the right side, and I like the under as well. I think if you're going to be taking Iowa, you probably want to take the under too. I, I don't know. How many points we get in this game, I don't think it's a lot. That Michigan offense is good, but the Iowa defense, I think, is going to be able to bully it a little bit, especially on the ground. And we know how bad that Iowa offense is. And, and Michigan's defense is definitely capable of holding them to, you know, 10 points. So 20-10 game, 17-10 game, I think that seems like the most likely with Michigan winning it by maybe a touchdown. Um, so I like Iowa's side plus 10.5, and, and I like the under. You're giving the offense a little bit more benefit than you did on uh, on Monday when you predicted. I think this final score is 13 to six. So yes. you're kind of upgrading the offenses slowly. But yeah, I bit. agree with <laughs> agree with a lot of you said in terms of the matchup and how Iowa kind of plays a physical style that's similar to Michigan and how Michigan had success against Ohio State might be a little more trouble against Iowa. 
this is another kind of hangover game, a game where you want to fade a team off a program defining win, but not just uh, like how they, it's like how they play. They played yeah. such a good game. They, their ceiling game against Ohio State. There's no way they can replicate that performance against Iowa. The only problem is, and why I used it as the uh, one bet I'm tempted to make this week, but probably shouldn't in the round table is if Michigan gets out to like a 14, nothing lead midway through the second quarter, does Iowa have what it takes to come back? I don't think they do. I know that Spencer Petrus is probably going to get the go after coming back from injury last week and, and orchestrating a comeback, but it's still an Iowa team that if they're forced to pass and not establish the running game, they might have trouble scoring and why I'm going to stay away from the side in this game. I do prefer the under, though, and uh, I'll have probably a bet on under and see if that gets up to 44. Because I wouldn't be surprised if some Michigan money comes in on game day after the public saw what they did Ohio State. So if you do like Iowa, you can get a plus 11 right now, and I'd maybe wait a little and see if you can get a little bit of a better number just because Michigan is kind of the uh, trendy public team now in the public's eyes. Uh, two more games that you wanted to hit on, Nate. You have uh, your leaning, Pitt yes. minus three. Pitt minus three, and uh, yeah, let's give me Kenny Pickett over uh, Sam Hartman. <laughs> I think I like both I like quarterbacks, it. both are having a great season. I just think Pittsburgh is... Uh, is a better team and overall yeah. I know the game is in Charlotte so it's a little closer to the Wake Forest home field but Pittsburgh's been very impressive this year they had a bad loss early in the year against Western Michigan that probably knocked any chance of maybe being in at least in the playoff conversation but I like Pittsburgh here just laying three in a game I expect a lot of points so the point spread uh I think they like it's it matters, but it's you know it's one of those things where because it's a high total, the not every point is valuable. So I like Pitt here, and then early in the day on Saturday, another favorite around three. It's now three and a half, so I'm going to wait till tomorrow to see if I can get a a minus three on Kent State in the MAC title game. Northern Illinois has been a true upset story in the MAC this year, winning the MAC West, but all their wins are very closely contested toss up games. Kent State beat Northern Illinois big. or It was a big, uh, high-scoring game. The margin of victory in the final score didn't look great. It was 52-47, to 47, but NIU scored some garbage-time touchdowns to make that score look better. So I like Kent State. I'm going to wait for minus three, just like I'm going to try to wait for a minus three on Western Kentucky. And also, AAC title game. Been kind of torn on this game where I've been thinking maybe Houston is an underdog. I think I'm going to end up betting a little bit on the under, especially with that cold weather predicted in Cincinnati between uh, Houston and Cincinnati on Saturday afternoon at Nippard Stadium. We're at 53 right now. The total has gone down, so not getting the best number. But if I had to play that game, instead of taking the points of Houston, I think I'd rather just play the under at 53. Let's go on to the NFL, Nate, because... We don't have as many NFL picks, which I think is smart. The NFL has been an insane <laughs> betting experience this season. Um, but you do have a best bet in the NFL. Yeah, and it's back to what I said on Wednesday, Chargers plus three. And basically my handicap in this game is looking at recent point spreads involving games between the Steelers and these teams where the Chargers close a six-and-a-half-point favorite against a Steelers team that was dealing with Big Ben coming back from COVID and then some defensive injuries and another COVID situation with Minka Fitzpatrick. But fast forward a week later, and the Bengals are only laying three and a half at home 
to a Steelers team that did get back the reinforcements, but it's not enough to justify, you know, that big of a line move. So I, I think the Chargers, you could probably say the Bengals might be a better team than the Chargers, especially based on last week's results of the Bengals winning big and the Chargers losing to the Broncos. But I still think there's a lot of recency bias in this number where this line should probably be like Bengals minus one. So getting Bengals, or sorry, the Chargers catching three is the best bet. I have bet this at plus three and a half. I'd still bet it at plus three. And then on the money line, uh, plus 140 or better, I think is a, is a fair price for the Chargers and hope that uh, Justin Herbert can survive the elements that he probably had to do a little bit in, at his time with Oregon and uh, lead the Chargers oh, yeah. to a must-needed victory to get their season back on track. Nate, I think I'm going to tell you there. I, uh, I I like the Chargers as well. It's just a good spot for them. It's bad loss, as you said, coming off a bad loss. Since he coming off a really good win, it's a great spot. The NFL, if anything, is consistently inconsistent, so I think you have to take advantage of the teams that have coming off some losses that you know are better than the loss showed, and maybe teams that are not as good as the win showed. I mean, they played a really bad Steelers team, a, a Steelers team that's terrible. They're they're a bad team, and since he won at home. So I, I, I'm taking the Chargers as an underdog. I think that's the ideal spot for L.A. here is being that underdog. I don't have a ton of other NFL picks, to be honest, but you do have a teaser that you wanted to get out there. Yeah, and I'd bet this sooner rather than later because there's a line moving. Actually, by the time you get to it, you might not be able to get it. But I'll just say a teaser that will be available is Vikings just to tease them down to minus one or minus one and a half. And there's a few options you have this week. You can go with the Cardinals. You can go with the uh, the Eagles. And then the other team that interests me that the lines kind of moved down. It was at two and a half yesterday when I was uh, my article published on Washington.com. But the Washington football team are down to plus one against the Raiders. I wonder if that's anything to do with Darren Waller, the star tight end for Las Vegas, and his status for this game where it looks like he's a, a true doubt to play. So Washington, I said, would have been a good teaser leg, but probably not now. As, as we speak, it looks like the line has gone down to Vegas a minus one. So that doesn't really make for a, a good teaser unless you want to pay extra juice to tease uh, make it a six-and-a-half-point teaser, which I don't recommend. I think uh, you can maybe wait and see to see if this line goes back up. But I do like the Washington football team. Definitely a side I'm going to use in my contest selections this week. We also want to get to attractive underdogs in the NFL. Um, and so, Nate, we have a couple. The I was going to mention this, too, in some of my picks, but – I don't know if I can realistically pick the Atlanta Falcons in a game in the NFL this season, but they are double-digit underdogs to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I don't, you know, you look at that game and, and first thought is, I know the Falcons are not good, but are they really double-digit spread worse than the Buccaneers this season? Yeah, I don't I don't think they are. I think it should be around eight and a half or nine. Is yeah, my, that is makes the more line. sense. And it was 11 yesterday. I actually did something truly idiotic yesterday where I saw a tweet from Ian Rappaport saying that wide receiver Antonio Brown and Mike E was suspended three games for an invalid vaccine card or something. And I read it as Mike Evans because I saw the wide receiver. So I quickly jumped to my phone. Oh, no. Locked in Falcons plus 11, which is a bet I was thinking about anyway. I was just seeing if it would go up to 11 and a half. 
And then like five minutes later, I realized the line didn't move and I was puzzled why. And I reread the tweet and it was Mike Edwards. Who I guess <laughs> is a wide receiver too, because he, he listed Mike Edwards as the wide receiver, uh, as along with Antonio Brown. So that was uh, annoying, as I would have definitely loved the Falcons at plus 11 if Chris Godwin was the only one of the big three wide receivers they had who was active for this game. But I still like the Falcons. And I know in attractive underdogs for college, I would look for like attractive underdogs that I think could win on the money line. I don't think the Falcons could win, but they're a 5-6 and six team. Still a lot to play for in the season, so they're not giving up. And Tampa Bay, even though this is a division game, they have a big game against the Bills next week where I think they're just going to want to get out of Atlanta healthy and with a win. I don't think they're going to look to run up the score or anything. So I like Falcons catching double digits at home, even against the team that I have rated as the best in the league. You just never really know what type of Falcons team you're going to get week in and week out. Is it going to be the team that looks competent offensively and, and you know can hold their own on the defense, or is just everything terrible? Because I've seen, I've bet on Falcons games where it's just everything right. is terrible. And you're like, how is this a real NFL team? So you well, just never know. Well, well, they have Cordero Patterson back in this they game. Do. Um, healthy, which for some reason is the key that unlocks, unlocks their <laughs> offense. Without him, they're absolutely terrible, especially with Calvin Ridley away from the team. If it's just Kyle Pitts, teams will just double team him or put their best cover guy on him. Broncos Chiefs, the Broncos, an attractive underdog, and I would probably agree with that. Nine and a half on the road against the Chiefs as an underdog. Um, I, I, the Broncos have looked okay. I don't know if I trust the Chiefs as almost a double-digit favorite. I, I know they've been playing better, but I just don't think I can stomach that, knowing how much I have been burned by Chiefs spreads in the past. Yeah, and I, I like the Broncos here. I prefer plus ten, but plus nine and a half, especially like when I'm going to use in a contest. I'll definitely, I'll definitely be on Denver. And I don't know, just, just for me, I think it's just a lot of points in a game where the total has gone down. So I like that angle. And I know Andy Reid very good off a of bye, nineteen and three in the regular season, fourteen and eight against the number with his time with the Eagles and Chiefs. But Teddy Bridgewater, very good quarterback as an underdog. And I know he's battling an injury, but hopefully he's ready to go. And just like Denver and kind of how their defense could maybe cause some issues for the Chiefs, just trusting Vic Fangio and not trusting necessarily the Chiefs offense, who maybe played a little better against the Raiders, but against the Cowboys were kind of held in check outside the opening script. So I'll take the Broncos here. Don't think they're going to win the game, but catching these many points really like this spot for Denver. Let's do your world-famous brunch time winner. What game are yes. you uh, looking for for that first half under? Yeah, let's go first half under, um, 21 and a half or better, as usually always I do. Maybe you can get even a better number for this game because the total right now is at 44 and a half or 45. And let's go Eagles-Jets first half under. A few things I like about this game. I like how the Eagles have kind of gone back the last – four or five games committed to running the ball and running the ball helps with unders all the time. And you also have Jalen Hurts nursing an angle angle injury. So I think there's going to be more running back runs and maybe Hurts isn't going to be throwing as much because they're going to want to be cautious with him. And I think they can be cautious with him because they are playing a Jets team who did win last week, but Zach Wilson had some pretty horrendous, uh, plays and, and a really bad interception. I guess my worry about maybe this game 
going over in the first half would be a bad Wilson turnover. But I don't think the Jets are going to have much success. I know the Eagles lost last week, but it wasn't because of their defense. They were very stout in the loss. So I like this first half under Eagles-Jets. And Eagles going back to the Meadowlands after they lost last week. So I think that actually might be a good thing. And they're going to be very focused and kind of like the Eagles in the game at seven or better. Or six and a half Monday or better. Night. So we're not going to be here on Monday. No podcast on Monday. We're going to the Wednesday-Friday format for this show. Um, but that means we can preview Monday Night Football today. And right now, as of this recording, the Bills are three-point favorites against the Patriots on a what's going to be probably a really fun Monday Night Football game. 42 is the total. Fairly low total for a game like this. Um, just at first glance, I would honestly probably take the Patriots at plus three, but I could easily be swayed in a convincing argument to take the bills. I just, I think when you talk about right, the ceiling games and when you see teams, you know, you talked about it with Michigan, you see kind of teams play at their best and and see what they have to offer. I think the bills are coming off of that and what we saw uh, from them. And I think what the Patriots are doing is they're going to come in here as an underdog on the road, bad weather, as we talked about kind of favoring them. Plus three seems tempting in this situation. Yeah, so if it was plus three, I'd lean Patriots. If it was minus two and a half, I'd lean Bills, which kind of shows how torn I'm in in this yeah, game. 100%. I actually think the the Bills, even though they did blow out the Saints, I feel like because the Saints were so beaten and battered in that game that the Bills do have a little bit more to offer. I think their ceiling game is what we saw against the Chiefs that Sunday night in October, and we haven't seen that really since, um, but – I think that their Bills maybe have a little bit more to offer. They're just trying to figure things out. I think actually the Patriots, this might be like their top of their market. And I think I keep saying that, but like last week they closed seven and a half at home to the Titans, where if you just ask the average NFL fan who the best, one of the best teams in the NFL is, they'd probably say the Tennessee Titans just because they have a good record. So I think in this case, you can make the case where you could, you know, want to fade both teams kind of off really good performances I think at plus three in a game with a low total, the Patriots might make a little bit of sense, but I'm a little bit worried that maybe the Patriots are just overvalued in general. So I'm not going to have a bet on this game. Although you would make the case for the Patriots that even though they're the away team, the weather and the matchup probably suits them because a few weeks ago, the Bills rush defense that up to that point was having a very good season, let Jonathan Taylor run wild. And I know Jonathan Taylor is better than what the Patriots have at running back, but it's still a, you know, when it comes to running games, more important that you have like a good offensive line and like scheme as opposed to the, the runner itself at times. And those Patriots have a pretty good three headed running back by committee. And then the Patriots also have a very good defense that's played very well. Let's see how Josh Allen does in a big game in bad weather against a really elite unit. Yeah, I thought the under makes sense too with the bad weather and history at least for the bills this season of having an inconsistent offensive play i would say and yeah. it is fair it's low at 42 that is a low total i say it 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 opened 45 and it's gone yeah. down to 42 so at this point kind of difficult to justify betting the under because a lot of the information and then the weather stuff has been built in you could always go with the first half under if you'd prefer that or hope maybe both teams get out to a fast start offensively and then make adjustments defensively and go with a live under. I think that's the way to go at this point uh, if you want to back a total in this spot. All right, so before we go, Nate, one more check. 
taking a look at our best bets, and it really is uh, best bet singular for you. You like uh, you like the Chargers. Yeah, Chargers plus three. I explained why a little bit earlier in this episode, and there's a video already on Twitter from Wednesday why I like the Chargers. It was plus three and a half at the time. I'd still bet plus three and also bet the Los Angeles Chargers on the money line against the Bengals in week 13. Yeah, I like it. I think I'm going to be telling you. Makes sense. It's a good spot for the Chargers. Love them as an underdog. Let's uh, let's go Justin Herbert, I guess, in this one. Big Justin maybe, Herbert fans. Maybe not to grade as a best bet, but is there one of your college plays that you like the most out of all of them? If you did have a best bet, but we won't actually grade as a best bet. Uh, yeah, I, I do like the under in the Michigan-Iowa game. I, I think that's a game that we're not going to see a ton of scoring. I, I think especially with Iowa's defensive ability and Michigan coming off an incredible offensive performance in the run game. I think we see Iowa be able to at least stifle them a little bit. And as I mentioned, I think Michigan wins the game, but I don't see over, you know, 43 and a half points hitting. I think we see 17 to 10. I maybe, maybe even Iowa scores in single digits with the way that offense operates. So I don't have a high, high opinion on Iowa's offense. And I don't think Michigan's going to be able to put up a ton of points on that defense. So I'm going to take the under 43 and a half. I think if out of all the bets for the weekend, I think that's my best bet. Yeah, I think I'd prefer the under over the Iowa side, even though I think they're pretty correlated in that spot. And then I'll get mine out. It's not a best bet, but it's very close on the border being a best bet. And it's first half under 23 between Baylor and Oklahoma State. I gave a lot of reasons earlier in the show why I like the under. But the reason I'm going to prefer first half instead of the full game, even though I'll have money on both, is the chance that the game loosens up. Maybe Oklahoma State, at number five in the playoff rankings, wants to put some style points on the board. I wouldn't blame them if they did. So let's take out any of that stuff in the last 30 minutes and just focus first 30 minutes, first half under 23 between Baylor and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship on Saturday afternoon. I like it. And that'll uh, that'll do it for us for this week. We'll be back Wednesday. With all of our uh, bowl picks, we'll be looking at some of the bowl bowl picks and more NFL picks, and I'll have some NBA picks as well on Wednesday. So good luck to everyone. Conference title weekend almost here. We're very excited, and we'll be back on Wednesday. 